Welcome to Women Wake Up, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency into a divine feminine state of love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has experienced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On today's guest episode, I'm speaking with my first couple that I've had on the show, a beautiful couple partnership, both spiritually and business partners, Elsbeth Muth and Freddie Zental Weaver. Elsbeth and Freddie have helped thousands of couples and singles create lasting intimacy and fulfillment in their lives and relationships. They are authors of the best-selling book, Sexual Enlightenment. They're co-founders of Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago, and together they are creating harmony and understanding in relationships. Today on the show, we really focus in how they created their work together in inspiring others about Tantra, sex and intimacy, experiencing longer lasting pleasure and connection, and learning how to connect this with other areas of their life, including finance and abundance. So take a listen and enjoy. Hello, Elsbeth and Freddie. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi. Thanks a lot for having us on, Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, good to be here with you. Absolutely. I am really excited to talk to you both. I I actually, I have never had a couple on this show. And not only a couple, but powerful business partners as well. So this mm. is a real treat for myself and my audience. And I cannot wait to hear about your story and the work that you do. Yeah. So just to introduce you all a little. You all already know this, but you've helped thousands of couples and singles create lasting intimacy and fulfillment in their lives and relationships. You are the author of the best-selling book, Sexual Enlightenment. You are co-founders of Tantra Nova, an institute in Chicago. Tell us more about this. How did you all get to this place where you are this fabulous, beautiful couple doing lovely work? Okay. Well, thank you, Whitney. Great being on your platform today. My name is Freddie Zental. And um, well, yeah, we've been together for 22, 23 years now. Um, we started this work 22 years ago, almost six months to the day we met. We what I call transcended the romantic drama and created work that fulfills so deeply ourselves collectively and individually. Um, a core curriculum, just a little history on me, of what we teach, I was first introduced to when I was 13 years old living in Hawaii, going through my puberty, spending a lot of time in the shower, as a lot of guys are at that age. And my father at the time was a practicing psychiatrist and took pity on me and gave me a book to read on how to integrate meditation and sex. So I loved it. My girlfriend loved it. And even more than that, really the core of what this work can be in your life, I had this idea to go on to college on athletic scholarship, but I didn't believe I could do it living in Hawaii, getting the training and the you know exposure. It was a belief. 
because I wound up after doing these practices and shifting that belief at a very deep neurosynaptic level, uh, was gone on to college on athletic scholarship. Of course, I did all the things that anyone would do to do that, but it was with ease, grace, and flow without doubt and, you know, you know, negative thoughts about it. <clears throat> after college, I kept doing these practices, uh, going to workshops, reading, applying these principles in my personal relationships. I was in the software business for a long time in San Francisco. And what I knew about that work, this work was my own engagement in my life and being enrolled and, and you know, enlivened. And I'd been doing this for like 15 years at that point, and I was ready for a change, something new. So I took this opportunity, a job opportunity, doing the same thing in software in, in Chicago. So at the time, I was single online looking for a Shakti, a female tantra partner. That was 22 years ago. So we're one of the early original uh, online couples. Uh, and Elsbeth's profile showed up. And we met, and boom, like I said, six months to the day, we transcended the romantic drama and started teaching these practices to couples and singles all over the world, books, tapes, television, the whole thing. And uh, I can't think of anything more that I could do in my life that would be more fulfilling and more really um, personally actualizing. It brings together all the things I love to do that I naturally do well. Uh, and it's just been a joy been being on the path with my beloved here for 22, 22 years working and living together is really 44 years. Okay. So <laughs> that's, well, that's incredible. A, yeah. It's a little about me. Elspeth's got her own story. Clearly. Thank you so much, Freddie, for sharing. And Elspeth, we'd love to hear your version. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Um, uh, Whitney. So uh, my story is very different. I mean, I wish I would have had a dad who would have given me a book on sex consciousness when I was 13 years old. So what about you? You know, I mean, that was not customary in my family. And so as everyone who is listening can tell from my accent, I uh, was not born here in the United States. I'm from Germany and came to the United States in my late 20s. Uh, to do postgraduate work in music. And then a few years later, I went on to get my doctorate in education and then moved into management consulting. So that was in the 90s. And I hadn't got, I had gotten really good at consulting, but was deeply despaired in relationship, intimate relationship. I had, had this pattern of attracting attracting unavailable men and while that was exciting, you know, most of the time I was alone. And there came one point when I really became aware of the trajectory, if I were not going to change that pattern, that I would end up without lasting intimacy and love in my life before I were to leave this planet. And I didn't want to settle for that. So. I have a lozenge in my mouth because just getting over uh, chest cold here. So we didn't want to start coughing here while we no talk. Problem. We hear you loud and clear. You sound okay. great. So in my despair, I knew I needed to do something because I didn't know what was there for me that I attracted unavailability, but I knew there was something you know, like something in the subconscious that was running the show. So I delved deeply into meditation and then went to Tantra workshops. Not, you know, 
really taking it on as a discipline and not just reading a book here or there. And that deep dive was really life-changing. In the rituals, the healing ritual of the tantric practice, what opened up was that I had distrusted men. Now, I was not aware of that. If you had known me, Whitney, like 25 years ago, you wouldn't have called me a distrusting bitch. You know, I was charming. I reeled the men, the guys. I was inviting. But underneath, not visible to the conscious mind, to the mere eye, was something running. And given that the tantric practice allows us to tap into the whole being, not just talking about something, but really tapping into the visceral self, like, you know, the memories that live on the cellular level. And you can imagine that it's not a very linear process, actually not at all linear. And in that work, this opened up for me. And it harkened back to a time, you know, when I was 18 years old, first boyfriend, first love. We had a quiet, blissful relationship. And then he asked me to have intercourse. And I said, yes, although I was not ready for it. And then it was freakingly painful. I had to go to the gynecologist. The bill went to my house. My dad opened it. All hell broke loose. He called me a whore. The boyfriend left the relationship a few weeks later. And there I was all by myself, no soul to turn to. And that was a moment of deep despair and hopelessness. And in that moment, I made this nano second decision, which for me was see Elspeth, men are not there when you really need them. And while that was so at that time, this decision trailed me into my young adulthood, into my adulthood, and no wonder I attracted an availability because that was further proof that this decision was right. You know, see, they are not there for you. Now, I didn't do that consciously. You know, it's like underneath these workings. And so by moving through the tantric healing and clearing that distrust, what opened up was deeper trust in myself. Because that often goes first. You know, why didn't you speak up, Elspeth? Why didn't you stand up for yourself? So you cannot even count on yourself. So trust in myself that I can count on myself into the future. Trust in men in general. And then six months later, Freddie Zental came into my life. And, you know, I'm sure I would not have recognized him as a potential partner if I hadn't done that healing work, because he was available. And if I had still been in this unavailability pattern, I would not have been pulled to him. You know, that didn't fit, would not have fit. So anyway, I'm very happy and I'm very happy to be with him and what we have created together and to be able to share this, not only with you now, but with so many other people. And that is when I decided you know, to leave management consulting and get certified as a Tundra teacher. And here, here we, we are. are. 
<laughs> Amazing. Now, Elizabeth, you asked me when we got on the call, you said, now, are you in a relationship or single? And I let you know that I'm single at this point. And you said that that's the best time to do this work, to follow some of the guidance that you all offer through what you, you do. So I have a few questions related to that. One is by the time you all met, did it, because just as you described Elizabeth, myself and so many of us are exhausted of these patterns of dating people that are indifferent to us, that don't see, really see us. I think that's what it comes down to people that we're not actually aligned with, but we're almost desperate for their approval, for their acceptance. Um, basically I, I think it comes down to, as you said, we may not realize it, but whatever our fear is, we're trying to help them to, uh, reaffirm it, right? Well, I can't trust men. Oh, well, here comes a lousy man who didn't treat me well. I knew it, <laughs> right? I'm Confirmation. Home. Like I'm home, right? Yeah, exactly. It feels so comfortable. It's like, ah, yes. But just as you said, we all have this breaking point where we say, this isn't home. This is a you know an abusive, uh, awful home that I've kept myself in. I actually want something that feels good, not something that's just that, you know, like you said, it's exciting to feel like we won what we thought we couldn't have, what we thought we are supposed to have. But when you break out of it, you realize that that is not what love is, right? Love is not about winning over somebody. So I'd love to describe the best you all can is when you first met, did it feel just natural? Did you, were you wondering like, oh, is he going to call? Are we going to make this work? Is this going to happen? Are we going to build a business together and have an empire and have a beautiful experience? Was it organic and natural or what did it feel like? How did you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll first start with that. So uh, yeah, when we met, we were, you know, had been through a lot. I had been through a lot of relationships. I had been through probably seven or eight live-in relationships that lasted two years or more. So when, when I met Elspeth, I was single and, you know, I liked the way she smelled. I liked the way she looked, uh, you know, at the time she was traveling internationally a lot with her work as a consultant. And I was working in, you know, in the software business here in Chicago and we would see each other. And we both had this interest in Tantra. She was going through a certification program, two-year program, which I subsequently went through as well, which assisted us in putting this together. But the work is, is again, you know, we have these ideas of what we would like to create in our life after after you go through a few relationships and it looks like it's because of that guy or that gal, the reason why I left. And then it keeps showing up and the one constant is us. So there's something I'm not seeing about what I'm creating, you know, that's not shifting. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to get actionable insights on that through therapy. You know, thank you for helping me understand why I fight with my wife because I fought my mother or whatever. So getting it intellectually is one thing, but then getting it energetically is another thing. And so we don't shift things linguistically, we shift them energetically. So when you can really get to so and so that's where working with sexual energy comes in as part of our approach to transformation for people. So when you are in your sexual energy, whether you're doing consciousness work or not, we're more open, loving, vulnerable, receptive, chemically, we're changed more endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin, we're in an altered state of awareness. So with the distinctions that we teach, with a particular ritual that we teach, you know, distinctions around breath, around energy awareness and intention, like I want to create relationship or whatever it might be, in that vulnerable, intimate, unmasked state, that altered state of awareness, we get more deeply connected to the subconscious neurosynaptic somatic self. 
And it's that level that we can start to get where the uh, disconnect is, the feeling, the story, the emotion behind what has kept us locked in an old story. And then with continued practice with that, we slowly move with grace, ease, and flow towards really recognizing and really synergizing with what we most deeply desire. Yeah, let me, if I may, just build on that. Yes, Great. please. So, um, so the tantric practice is an integrative approach uh, that involves the sexual life force energy, which is quite unique because most transformational or therapeutic approaches that I'm aware of or that I may have gone through uh, during my lifetime so far, uh, they, most of them, you know, include the mental, the intellectual, the linguistic, and the emotional. But the sexual as an experience, and I'm not just talk, uh, speaking about like talking about the sexual, is different from actually learning in action with the sexual, through the sexual. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there is uh, group sex or nudity in our workshops, actually not at all. The intimate practices are being done in the privacy of one's uh, home or hotel room. But the integrative part comes that people get to tap into their physical sexual self, their emotional love self, their mental and their spiritual or consciousness self. And that really, you know, happens simultaneously. And given that uh, going back to what you brought up, like the familiarity that we may, we may feel with a partner that may not be right for us, but there is a familiarity. And the familiarity doesn't come from that partner. It just gets reawakened there. So what we want to look at and contemplate and tap into further is, what does this remind me of? And this is not a question that I'm bringing up here, like, oh, I do this like in five minutes, you know, what does this remind me of? No, that may be a longer journey. And in the process, tapping into the different, different dimensions of the self may reveal that this is a familiarity, like for me, the familiarity really comes from how I felt vis-a-vis -vis my dad from infancy on. On one hand, close, there was an emotional, sensual closeness that I felt. Yet on the other hand, he was not emotionally available. And I you know, I'm one of 10 children, so there was not so much time for each of the kids. So I often felt like, oh, I'm just left out. So these familiarities come from a much earlier time. And they are often so deeply ingrained in our cellular self that we cannot resolve them from the cognitive place. This is what was so powerful for me to tap into my sexual physical body where the memory actually was triggered, the memory of the 18-year-old, you know. And I had done uh, therapy work around this in my 30s. So, and that was very helpful, actually, 
But what I didn't know was that I held memory on the cellular level that was not accessible to the conscious mind. So I couldn't talk about it, you know. Absolutely. It almost seems that when that shift happens at the cellular level, we it's almost like our magnetism shifts. So rather than attracting those who would go through the same cycles that we've been through before, we attract someone different. We are attracting because we're coming from a healed place, just as you spoke of. And it's it's something that you can't do through your head. You can't say, I'm not going to pick those kind of guys anymore. You just start to notice, I don't seem to find those guys anymore. I'm finding very different people coming into my life. Yeah. And I want to add too, Whitney, one of the ways, and I found with anybody in a body who's willing, they can get this, is the key is developing what we call the witness state of mind where we're able to watch the thoughts and our stories and our total felt sense of those stories as a curious witness of ourselves, of the clay that we are that comes from all the experiences and modeling and life experience that we've had that we look into the world from, right? And so if we can't, once we develop that little bit of a distance from our thinking and that, we can start to be gentle with ourselves and with grace, ease, and flow with our intention, move towards that thing we most deeply desire. Not going, oh, it's here again. I got to go back to my, you know, therapy or I got to go back to my tantra, you know, I've got to beat myself up and flog myself is to go, oh, here it is again. Recognize it, flatten it and continue on moving with the visualization and belief of what you want to create. So this is how it all comes together in sexual meditation. So what we're teaching doesn't take the place of your mutual lovemaking and the fun quickies in the morning and all the things we do to create life and so on with that energy. It's doing, in addition, learning how to co-create with this creative energy. Because for the last forever, we've been procreating. That's what we, this energy does, creates life. And for the last hundred or so years, recreating with the development of contraceptives. So what we're sharing is how to co-create with this creative life force intelligence of energy. Absolutely. And so I'd love to explore that for, further because a big part of your work is talking about harnessing your sexual energy for success. So just as you describe, it sounds like when, you know, there's different times and places for, for making love, for sex, for intimacy, but when there's that intentional um, sex that involves harnessing your sexual energy, um, sexual energy is, is, is the life force. It's a very powerful thing. And it's something that most of us don't utilize. So mm -hmm. how do you all help people with that? And how can that filter out into other parts of their lives in terms of when you learn to generate that sexual energy, it doesn't stop there. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to emphasize what you just said about that sexual energy is life force energy because often in people's mind, it's like, oh, there's sexual energy and then there's life force energy. No, they are one and the same. It's just that energy shows up at different uh, gradations. You know, like when I walk at, uh, or just right now, sitting here, talking, listening, you know, the energy, life force energy that runs through each of us, you, Whitney, Freddie, me, and everyone who is listening, most likely on a subtle, in a subtle state. Now, when I walk at Lake Michigan, you know, and the breeze touches my skin, I'm not highly aroused, but it feels quite pleasant. So that energy is slightly raised. And then, of course, when I'm in the throes of passion, 
you know, a climactic moment, that energy is highly raised. So in the tantric practice, what we get to learn is uh, to play our sexual energy like a flute with different stage stages, you know, and I can stay on a particular versus just, you know, as Freddie said, making babies. As we continue to evolve our, our consciousness as a human species, we can't make that next spiritual quantum leap to peace on earth and seeing ourselves in each other until we stop the vilification of the sexual. What we teach, we could teach to nuns and priests if they were vowed to celibacy. It's about tapping into, as a memory sense recall, neurosynaptic familiarity, what happens in that sexual energy, that altered state of love, compassion, openness, vulnerability. That's the world, and that's what's possible for us as humans. We're still evolving. Um, you know, think about this sexual energy that was creating life before we had language and a universe that goes on forever. And we're part of the stars. I mean, biologically, you're me, I'm you. Chemically, we're the earth. You know, atomically, we're the universe. It's all one. And, you know, science is proving that out. The, the field, you know. Um, so that's our lineage. We're just. Yeah. Beautiful. Th thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I know this is kind of bringing us back to more a more simple topic because you guys are elaborating in beautiful ways about this this concept but a lot of people hear the word tantra and just think about maybe a prolonged orgasm that's all they're thinking about they don't recognize that it actually has a much bigger meaning and of course you know you just hit on the fact that it's more about harnessing our life force energy but how would you define tantra for a total you know newbie someone who's really just curious about you know, I, I enjoy intimacy, but I don't really feel present. I think that's true for a lot of people. Maybe they feel like it's just, it's all centered just at, you know, our genitals, which is not like so limiting, right. To believe that that's all there is. It's people want to have the whole body experience, almost like they're, you know, meshing with their partner when they are intimate with them. So how would you all describe it to someone who's curious, but has really no clue what it means, except for what you hear? Yeah. Yes. And many people do come to this uh, with that notion. Guys, particularly, you know, that they want to be the Svengali lover. You know, they heard heard of an article that Sting uh, spoke 30 years ago that he makes love to his wife eight hours, you know. And it's not like bang, bang, bang for eight hours. It'd be broken hips and people would be in wheelchairs, you know. It's like slow, it's fast, it's breathing, it's gazing, it's touching, it's stroking, it's uh, just circulating this orgasmic nectar, as we call it. And eating. Uh, and eating, uh, grapes. grapes feeding each other, all the sensualities. So for guys in all the variations of Tantra that there are to answer your question, what is Tantra? So Tantra, the literal meaning of the word means weaving. And I'm a weaver. Yeah. So anyway, so um, so that's the literal meaning. And there are many variations of Tantra. Can you talk about the yoga of the energetic? Yes. And Tantra was one of the original yogas of the energetic body, unlike Hatha yoga of the physical form. And it's all energy. Our thoughts are energy. Energy is one. It doesn't just manifest as angry energy, sad, or sexual energy. It starts out as one, like energy that you can use to light a car, or light a bulb, or power a car. But again, the manifestation of sexual energy is unique in that it creates life and it's pleasurable. So tapping in to that manifestation, actualization of energy is very unique in terms of what it reminds us, leads us to, right? Which is that creative, joyful uh, experience. Uh, and for most people, and particularly guys, it's a three seconds orgasm, and then we disengage. You know, it's like, okay, time for milk and cookies, you know, uh, I'm done. Uh, and women, differently, uh, once they experience orgasm, because a lot of women haven't experienced orgasm, and that's oftentimes a social 
uh, modeling that happens for women because for millennia, women have been suppressed around their sexual selves. Even in places today in the world, they could be stoned to death for having sex out of wedlock. Whereas men forever have been, you know, lauded it for their sexual prowess, you know, harems and playboys. And first time guy has sex, he's a man. He talks about it in the locker room and blah, blah, blah. So we're led by our lingams, which is a Sanskrit term for penis, means wand of light, much more endearing than dickhead, right? So, uh, you know, so once a guy, and for all the variations, as I was going to say, uh, of Tantra that there are, it's for the man to learn to separate ejaculation from orgasm. And we're Tantra Nova, Tantra New, so we're using Eastern approaches to transformation and Western approaches to transformation. Yeah, I also want to emphasize here that what Freddie just alluded to for the men, the separation of ejaculation from orgasm is all in service to become more conscious. So in the West, how Tantra has become known is like tantric sex. And as you already alluded to it, Whitney, it's like this is just one dimension. Now, it's a crucial dimension because it's not just about having better sex. It is mainly about becoming more aware and conscious of that life-giving energy so I can actually use that energy to fuel my physical health, my emotional well-being, my mental state, and the connection to the consciousness, to the spiritual, so that the sexual and the spiritual start communicating with each other. Again, bringing the whole human being together instead of being split like the sexual belongs in the bedroom and the spiritual belongs into the church, the temple, the synagogue, the mosque. What we are saying is that each of us is this temple and we are all earthly and heavenly beings, which means all of us are sexual and spiritual beings. You know, as long as we walk on this planet, we have this phenomenal body that is equipped with phenomenal nerve endings. I mean, we can have sensations and feelings. They are superb. They are blissful. They are like paradise when we tap into them, you know. And how can we integrate with our spiritual self so my spiritual self can inform my sexual self and my sexual self can inform my spiritual self. And one is not more important than the other. What's more important is that they become integrated. They can dance together, you know. And that is what's so beautiful about the tantric practice is that we are being led back to ourselves. I call it the original self. When we came into this world, we were totally integrated there was no good or bad or sinful. The sexual, sensual was not bad. It's just how we felt, you know, in these little bodies, infant bodies. But then we grow up and then we learn that's wrong. Uh, we shouldn't be doing this. And then we get constricted and we become verklempt. And, you know, all of that. So it's setting ourselves free through that beautiful practice that allows us to really become one within, and then we can share that oneness with the other and become one with the beloved. Beautiful. And when you were speaking, 
when you said verklempt, I, I've looked almost like something that's really constricted, something that's clenched. And just as you described, when we are clenched, which most of us are, we have very limiting beliefs about what we can experience. We say, this is the only experience. It's limited in this way. And that's a way of constriction, right? We're very constricted. And if I can kind of throw out um, a, a tie I'm making with one of your concepts, you all also speak about the link between sexual energy and money energy. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about the fact that I, I take it one step further. I link I think everything's kind of the same as our relationship with sex, money, and food. Mm. It's all about if we have a lack mentality, we're either hoarding it or purging it, you know, almost like trying to gather it or trying to use it all at once. Because you think about sex, some people are just like, I need sex, I need sex. And they get it and they just want to come as fast as they can. And they move on with their life until they need it again. With money, all they're ever thinking is, I need more, I need more. Then they get a ton of money and they spend it all, which yeah. is just this, this, they don't, and to me, it means because we don't actually know how to sit with it, which is just what you described. When we are connected with the greater energy force and our greater consciousness, we don't have this very human mentality of gathering and spending, right? Yeah. We can actually be with something. We can be in a sexual experience and energy with somebody that feels almost infinite. We don't have to think of it as, when am I going to come? When am I going to come? We don't have to think of money as, okay, I need to make it, make it, make it. Okay. I, I, now I can spend a lot of it so I can get back to be obsessing over making it. Am I accurate here that that's, is that sort of what you guys see the connection as? Yes, absolutely. In our book, uh, Sexual Enlightenment, um, we speak in one part about a book that was written by um, Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich in the thirties. And in his book, and his whole thing was about getting people to shift their mindset to believe that they could be wealthy. Because again, like you said, most people don't believe they're wealthy, even though they look around and they might have money, but they still feel poor. So uh, he, and he mentions, he says, lucky is, he said, the, the man, he was a little patriarchal, was old school. We say lucky is the person who can use their sexual energy to create wealth. And he mentioned it, who can use sexual energy to create wealth. He didn't tell you how to do it. We do, or anything else you want to create, because it's about shifting at a neurosynaptic deep level of belief what we want to create in our life. Because again, we look into the world from all of our experiences, like a Newtonian thing. The only thing that's real is what we can feel and what we've experienced. Yet what we've experienced is gone, but it lives for us oftentimes like it just happened. So how do I shift that? Mm. It's not even our conscious anymore. It's subconscious, you know? Yeah. So shifting that in the altered state, working in a sexual meditation practice it's like um, some people use plant medicine. Some people do meditation. There's a lot of different approaches, but none that I know of use and work with and teach how to use the sexual altered state of consciousness to get more deeply connected to our subconscious at a deep neurosynaptic level. And that's what we're sharing. So we aren't saying this is the only way to be in sexual energy, but if it's anywhere, it's everywhere. Because once you bring that kind of consciousness in a meditation with yourself and or with a partner, it's there whenever you do just mutual fun love making or it enhances everything, even just the way you're living and experiencing your life. So what about if we talk a little bit about channeling that energy? Yes, you please. <laughs> that even what you spoke about is like, you know, I have sex and then it's gone and then I need it again. It's what about being in that energy in an extended way? where it's like being, like riding the wave. So it becomes more about the journey 
then the end goal, then the destination. So like we distinguish between self-love and masturbation. Masturbation is about the destination to get there as quickly as possible. Then we get off it on that high level. Many women use vibrators, which we don't uh, promote at all because they deaden the nerve endings. And the more I, I use it. I'm, I'm like, I'm listening to that. I, <laughs> I, I want to hear more about that, but we can come back to it. Yeah, the more I use a vibrator, the more I need it because it's a very high speed, you know, but it's not good for the nerve aid and uh, it's just like when a man masturbates must, hard, hard with two real quick to get the orgasm. And then when, he, when he's with a partner, he can't even get an erection because he's deadened his, his, uh, his, his penis. Uh, yeah. The nerve, nerve endings. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not uh, trivial what we are talking about here. So we can approach the energy more from a mechanical point of view, like a vibrator or lots of rubbing for uh, for a wand, a magic wand, a man's penis, which I think wand is so much more poetic and so much more nice. And more accurate, really. It's got a lot of magic in it, creates life. And it's also called a magic wand because he's rather magic. Mm -hmm. You know, he can shape forms yeah. and that's sh just amazing. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. So anyway, um, so then when we are about the journey, there is no rush. There's listening, there is breathing, there is tuning with every little feeling and sensation you know, and in the self-love practice, again, I am encountering myself as my own lover. So the lover meets the beloved, and I'm the lover and the beloved in one. So I listen to myself, I give to myself, I receive simultaneously. It's an, an a raising of my awareness. And then... Um, when we move energy, so energy can only move with the breath. If we don't breathe, we die, which means life force energy leaves us. So life force energy and breath go hand in hand. And remember earlier we said life force energy is sexual energy. So that it applies to the connection of breath and life force when it's in a subtle state as well as when it's in aroused states. You know, it's just like... Often people, what they do when they come to the high point, the climax or the ejaculation, you know, oh, oh, oh. I'll have what she's having. And then they stop. <laughs> it stops the orgasmic wave. If I keep breathing through it, ooh, ooh, then the orgasmic sensation keeps much, much longer. And I'm just traveling on that wave instead of bawing it's gone now yeah for the man it's a little different because once he has the ejaculation he loses the energy so when he learns to work with his muscle uh the pc muscle pubic oxygen muscle and using breath and energy awareness he can start to circulate that orgasmic uh, energy at a high level without ejaculation and without refractory so then he can play with that energy like a woman can because she can have multiple orgasms once she opens up over without having refractory um so that's yeah. part of it you know yeah 
And then we learn to play like in couplehood, we learn to play with the differences of our energies. So male sexual energy. What I'm saying here, by the way, Whitney, is not just for men. It is for the one who is more in their masculine. It could be a woman in a lesbian relationship or a transgender relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so the one who is more oriented towards the sexual center, actually where that person starts feeling when they want to connect, unlike the one who is in their feminine, could be a man in a gay relationship, you know. Um, the one who is more in their feminine, like I, start feeling in my heart center when I want to connect. Mm -hmm. So Freddie, when he wants to connect, he starts feeling it in a sexual center. I feel it in the heart center. We both have the same intention of wanting to connect. However, we come from different loci, you know, so it's just like two ships passing in the night. In the tantric practice, the man learns how to breathe up from his sexual center into his heart. Once his heart opens, guess what? I feel that. Mm. My heart opens. And when my heart opens, my sexual center opens, which is called yoni in Sanskrit. And yoni means sacred space of the woman. Much more endearing than, you know, vagina or all kinds of not so pleasing words for her so then we have a circuit from his sexual center into his heart into my heart into my yoni and back into his lingam up into his heart so we have a circuit and we flow on that circuit and the circuit only can be sustained through the breath remember i said energy and breath go hand in hand. So when we embellish that, we can guide energy, both subtle energy, like thinking of a headache that I would like to release. And I can release my headache with the breath and send the energy, pain energy out into the earth, for example. So I can also channel my aroused sexual energy from my sacred space, my yoni center, up into my heart center. The heart feels the orgasmic sensations. I can guide it into my third eye, you know, and clear whatever chatter may be going on, connected to my spiritual self, and then exhale and move that energy down again so that it flows all the time. It doesn't get overemped. So this kind of energetic and somatic awareness is taught through focusing with the breath, attention on location, and intention to move things with the breath. Because oftentimes your mind goes, well, how do you do that? So you use your mind's focus, just like you would in sports, to hit a ball or to run. You put a, a tension on something and intention to go in that or do that thing. And that's how you can do, you can do the same thing with breath and a sensation of energy with your nerve system and your breath. And with orgasm, you can start to do that at subtle levels. So when you start tuning into the subtleties of that orgasmic, intimate, sexual vulnerability, that familiarity starts to show up outside of the bedroom. So if I say, oh, I hate my job, 30 more years of retirement, I wouldn't even say that because of the cascading effect of the thought in terms of my feeling that's going to happen. And the way I listen to conversations, the way I listen to my thoughts, and listen to how those thoughts affect the rest of my body. So once you bring, again, consciousness into med sexual meditation 
everything begins to get brighter and more sensitive and aware. Yeah, and the great thing is that it's the only form of meditation that we can do not only solo, because meditation practices are usually solo practices. We may be in the same room, but we are focused on ourselves, which we, of course, very much uh, support. And there is this, you know, couple sexual meditation, which is, of course, superb, yeah. you know, and delicious. That becomes part of your just fun lovemaking. And, you know? and I want to say one more, Whitney, that is for you, that can you imagine when a man has mastered that reflex in the pelvic floor that sets off the ejaculation when he no longer has to go there, but can stay present to his wonderful orgasmic energy, he moves it up into his heart, and then not only is more present to himself, then also more present to you and he can stay there with you, you know, because our energy is like based in estrogen. We call it the slow hormone, you know, feminine sexual energy calls for reawakening. Mm -hmm. Male sexual energy doesn't need to be reawakened. What it needs is to be sustained and channeled. Yeah. And a lot of guys will go, well, I la I can last as long as I want. I'm not a quick comer. We're not just talking about staving off your, you know, ejaculation or thinking about Babe Ruth or, you know, counting backwards from a thousand, you know. We're talking about consciously circulating this orgasmic nectar. Yeah. And that's another level. And that's another level. That allows him to be connected in with his heart, yeah. which is a whole different experience right. for him. And then for the partnership that's an integrated polarity that's yeah. that yin yang balance because the heart only can stay present the sex cannot the sex is driven by desire and there's nothing wrong about it it just if it's on its own that is what it does you know yes yeah and this it's so wonderful to hear you all speak of this and i think it's so important for more and more people to speak of this and to share that this is possible because, you know, just as you spoke to Freddie for so long, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, we've been given a very small concept about what sex is and intimacy and how it can be experienced. And what you just described sounds like a true whole body and spirit experience. It sounds like two individuals that are probably feeling you might feel like lost in time. You're just sort of everything. There's so many different levels of what's going on that you're not just sort of like, okay, we have 15 minutes before we leave, which, you know, there's a time and a place, like you said, Freddie, mm -hmm. for a quickie. But when you're really immersed in that, like you are truly combining energies, which, you know, some people will say, Freddie, you also spoke to earlier about how we're all made of the same stuff. And ultimately, infinitely, we're all one. So what I've heard about Tantra is you kind of have that experience of becoming one, truly, not just on top of each other, inside of each other when you're having sex, but you feel it. You suddenly are like, well, yeah. where do I start? Where do you begin? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, you, you, you connect to the, to the field, you know, and scientifically they talk about the field, you know. Uh, so this stuff is being proven out in science. So I think as we become more aware as a human species in the world, you know, peace on earth is just a thought away. You know, what we use in our intelligence for in terms of war, if we put that towards other things, I mean, we're getting really big and existential. Like, what does that have to do with sex? When we first started our work, I, was, I said, this is like creating peace on earth. And Yelspin gets it, but she says, like, don't tell that to people because people come to this work. They're like, I just want an orgasm. What are you talking about, peace on earth? 
Yeah, but once you start, not a good marketing point. But once you get into it and you realize this is more than just sex in the bedroom, you know, this is bigger than that in terms of my life and my experience and how I am moving through my life and how I'm creating my life and what is my authentic yeah. contribution in my life as to how I feel my power and the greatest, you know, uh, source of of uh, you know uh, giving that I serving, serving that I can be and do. Yeah. I really want to say here that the tantric practice and the states we are talking about and the connection with self and the beloved, you know, this is not something that we achieve through learning new techniques. It lives in different realms. Now, I'm not saying that there are very concrete skills we want, we need to learn to alter our nervous system you know, to work with our musculature and also to work with our mind, to bring focus, to bring the witness state of mind that Freddie spoke about earlier. You know, wherever I focus on, wherever I bring my awareness to, energy follows. That is then where I, you know, I am, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that takes practice and not just two weeks. It's a lifelong you know, practice. It is an, an evolving practice. Because even with us, stuff doesn't stop happening. It just doesn't stick around as long. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that because, you know, sometimes people talk about Tantra like, oh, it's just like another thing that I may learn a few tricks about. Yeah, and you can learn a few tricks, but that doesn't mean that this will shift you fundamentally so you can create fulfillment, joy, bliss within and in relationship. You know, it really takes the willingness to do our inner work because things will show up. And sometimes they are not so pretty. Sometimes they are not comfortable. And to then not give up, However, to move through it like through the eye of the needle, you know, allows us then to come out on the other side. If I'm not willing to move through it, there is no other side. And I invite everybody who's listening to really explore further into this and, you know, what may be there for each of you who is listening. Absolutely. And that's that's so beautiful. And, you know, I... I do agree that I think that this goes way beyond just uh, sexual intimacy and pleasurable experiences. It is the key to what we could call world peace, because what you all describing in lovemaking is heart opening. Mm. And I think the greatest barrier to humans experiencing peace, which I also agree that it's a snap away. We feel like, oh, it can never happen. Look around our world. The shift that happens when you open your heart, everything else drifts away, which also came to mind when you guys were describing that kind of lovemaking, it kind of takes it out of being a selfish experience where you're like, okay, how do I feel? When am I going to come? Whatever it is. I had this vision of two people almost traveling together, creating a symphony. Like what note are we going to create next together? What's the next Mm -hmm. pleasure? It can keep going and going. Well, when humans realize that just like two beings creating a sexual tantric experience, when humankind begins to create that way with open hearts, we no longer are thinking in this finite space. We're not thinking about coming, which you could equate to greed or gaining your own amount of success or notoriety or wealth, whatever it might be, right? 
we open our hearts and we start to realize, oh, this is about all of us, all of us reaching our greatest level of pleasure and joy and a sense of safety and all these things that we have not come to know of life, which is sort of a macrocosm of what you're just describing as the lovemaking experience. A lot of us don't see sex as safe or something that they can feel secure within. For a lot of people, it's just something that they have to get through, especially women, right? They're like, if they've been taught that they really aren't probably going to get much pleasure and they just need to do it to appease a man, they're just thinking about how to get through it and they haven't even gone there. So I just really want to thank you both for your work because it is not only opening the door for beautiful, amazing lovemaking, but it is this beginning, you know, our, our opening, our awakening, if you will, happens when more people speak to concepts that in my mind are inevitable. I think that one day there will be what we call world peace because we can't, we can't stop it. We can't start, stop the truth from coming through, which our hearts being open and connecting is the ultimate truth of what is. Yeah. Well said. Well said. We want you in one of the workshops. So we, I do men's workshops. Elsa does women's workshops. We do co-ed workshops. And I think it would just add to your practice and everything else that you are seem to be about. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Well, and if the audience listening would like to also be a part of a workshop, how can people find you? How can they get your book? And if you guys want to end really quick and offer the five distinctions of human relation mastery, just to give somebody, some people some thought concepts to leave with. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. So uh, human relationship mastery, the the key tenets there uh, are shifting from a vertical relational model to a horizontal model. There are more aspects to the whole topic, but that's at the core. So all of us grew up and all humankind for millennia has lived in a in a vertical relational model where one is up and one is down often also called patriarchal you know um and for millennia men were at the top and women at the bottom that was just the consciousness for a long long time until like 50 60 years ago uh with the start of the women's movement there was an awakening and opening oh wait a minute now, if there was matriarchy instead of patriarchy, it would be the same. It's still a vertical model. Yeah. So it's not about one being at the top and the other at the bottom in one-on-one -on -one relationship or in collective relationship. You know, organizations, governments, all of our organizations are actually based in the vertical model. If we look at it, you know, now we are proposing a horizontal model where we are equal yet different. So from here, and if if this is an audio, I'm just showing the one is up with my hand and one is down. Then I move into a horizontal model where we are on the same, on the same, in the same field. One is right and one is left. So while we are different, we are equal. Let's look at Freddie and me. In many ways, we are very, very different. Each of us comes with different gifts, talents, skills. And so how can we move together? And then what becomes essential in the horizontal model is that we learn certain skills and become good at both. 
like listening and speaking up. When we are in a vertical model, the one who is at the top doesn't need to listen to the one. The receiving is the feminine and the giving is the masculine. Like in couples uh, work, often one of the couples says, oh, it's much easier for me to give. Guess what? When we give, we are in control. It's difficult for me to receive. Yeah, guess what? Letting go may be difficult because that may feel vulnerable. So, but we want to learn to be able to be um, proficient in both, you know, receiving. Yeah, and that may be uncomfortable initially, but if I cannot receive, for one thing, I rob the other of giving. And I am very limited. And then the third set is leading and following. As I want to be able to lead at some moment, and the other follows, and then the other leads, and the first one follows. So we it's like an infinity loop, you know, where we lead and follow interchangeably, interchange, whatever. Interchangeable. Interchangeable. Yeah. So that is at the very core of the work of the relationship, a human relationship mastery, which plays out in intimate relationship. And um, so just to answer your question here. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. This has been such that an incredible wraps up conversation. Our episode for today. Thank you both thank for being you my so first much for listening to couple Women on the show. Thanks for if sharing you this, this episode. Please and share just it with others the, and come back you know, for more. The knowing out there that it is If you'd like to connect with the Women Waking community, that you can, can find us on Instagram healthy, but also at Women Waking. You can feel aligned with and if you, you know, follow Women Waking, you can get a free YouTube tarot card each other very well. You just send Right, oh, you guys are able to create what possibly I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Right. And don't forget to let your about unique you're having a, light a real good shine. time. There's some yeah. energy happening. So, mm. thank you so much. Well, so, thank so we did, before we go, just wanted to uh, give uh, give a gift to the audience. Uh, so we thought out of the conversation, uh, listening to it, perhaps you are interested now in learning some practices so we put a video class together which is called introduction to sexual meditation and i understand whitney that it's the link is going to be in the show notes so please pick it up and start learning and you can reach us through tantranova.com that's our website t-a-n-t-r-a-n-o-v-a tantranova.com and then, of course, our book, Sexual Enlightenment, is on Amazon, both in hard copy and audible. So many ways of learning more about what we share today. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to check it out. I can't wait to join a workshop in the new year. I'm excited. Thank you all for, for what you do for your work. So lovely to have you on the show. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you. Happy holidays. Take good care.